Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome into a rainy Spartan Stadium in East Lansing, Michigan. I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast. Sean Fitz back at our base in State College joining us for the post-game podcast, of course. And uh, Sean, this team is 8-0. and They made it look pretty easy considering the elements that were involved here. That probably speaks to where Michigan State is right now as a program, but also where Penn State is. They came out of the gates aggressively. They built a 21 to nothing lead by halftime. Sean Clifford was sharp early. Uh, obviously, there are some things to critique in the second half of this game, but as the amount of unbeaten teams go down in college football, including number five, Oklahoma today, uh, despite a, a late effort for them against Kansas State, that's a dwindling group. And Penn State now heading into a bye week. They are among that group. They're probably going to be the number five team in the country heading into uh, at least next week. We'll see where it goes during their bye week. But, Sean, they are right there in the playoff conversation here. They're going to be there in November, and they have really surpassed, I think, where a lot of people uh, had them heading into the season. I would say 8-4, and 9-3 and three was probably the general consensus for preseason predictions on the beat. They're at eight wins right now in October. Yeah, they've done a heck of a job. A big win out uh, in East Lansing today. Have you dried off yet? <laughs> I'm working on it. I got to give kudos to the photographers who were out there for a long time. But I can tell you, Mark Brennan got himself pretty wet getting the, the Brennan cam going. So look for that on Lines 24-7. He got some great footage of these guys uh, coming out, coming off the field into the tunnel. Um, and it really was, I don't know how it looked on television Probably didn't sell it as well as it should have because this game from the start, within a few minutes, really uh, during pregame warmups, the rain started coming down. It started off as kind of a, a, a overcast day in Detroit, and then we made our way here. And by the time this game kicked off, it was a downpour, and it did not stop, and it did not stop. And uh, to Penn State's credit, this was a game that, that that got sloppy in phases for both teams, but they were the team that was forcing the turnovers. Uh, they did have a, a very ill-advised one on their own right, which we'll get to. Uh, but overall, I thought it wasn't just about facing Michigan State. It was about being on uh, an away field, uh, in, in foreign Big Ten territory in, in very difficult circumstances uh, weather-wise. So uh, I tell you what, the, everything felt set up from an intangible standpoint for Penn State to be in trouble here. We talked about it all week in the history of this series, and then you see the weather forecast. And then you see uh, Felton Davis is the honorary captain for Michigan State. And all these things start to stack up, and you wonder how Penn State's going to come out, how are they going to respond, and I think that's where we have to start they may have put together the most complete half uh, in terms of the situation they were facing, the opponent they were facing, that we've seen from them this season through eight games, what we saw before intermission here in East Lansing. Well, I, I think you you got to throw the Maryland half in there, but uh, I, I get your point and I agree with you. I just did. There, there was very little to complain about in that first half. I mean, what a, a bad snap on a PAT, a, a missed deep shot to Dan Jacena, but I love what Penn State did coming out of the gate. They attacked the conditions. They did not let Michigan State dictate how things were going to go today. Michigan State, let's be honest, was not not beating them uh, by out out talenting them, by outclassing them, or anything like that. Um, so Penn, Penn State really handled the situation well. 
They attacked the conditions. They attacked the Spartans. They 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 threw the they they weren't afraid to throw the ball. I'm watching the Michigan uh, Notre Dame game right now, and both teams are kind of afraid to throw the ball. Similar conditions, actually the exact same conditions. Probably the same storm that's coming over Michigan right now. But uh, it it was an impressive first half. Um, Penn State, of course, uh, went with Noah Kane as the starter, which I'm sure. Uh, made a lot of people happy. You know, they, they, they hit that game right away. And, and like we said in the podcast last week, Kane was kind of meant for a game like this or built for a game like this. Unfortunately, he did not last very long. We did not see him, I believe, over the last three quarters of the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, Penn State really, no matter who was in the backfield, they didn't really let let that change their effect, uh, let that change their approach. And Pat Fryermuth was the guy that really benefited from that. Uh, Clifford was was on. I mean, he hit some deep, sh- or he, he actually missed some deep shots that were, were pretty good throws. Guys had some drops. Uh, you know, the, the conditions, of course, played into that. But thought Clifford looked really, really good today. I thought Fryermuth looked really good today. I thought Penn State's approach in the first half and Ricky Ronnie, the game he called in the first half, really very good. So uh, really impressed with the way they came out. Of course, you said it. They, they kind of... Everything that could have been set up for for uh, sort of a fallout, uh, you know, you expect to go into Michigan State with the recent history and the weather and and what happened back in 2017 when you were at that stadium. You expected something to go against Penn State. They didn't let it happen, and that's uh, really a, a credit to the staff. It's a credit to the, the players for coming out and jumping all over Michigan State. And like we said last week, you get up two touchdowns on these guys, all of a sudden it's a, it's a different ball game because that's not a team that's built to come from behind. And I know there had to be some Penn State fans out there thinking, okay, that's what Brian Lewerke looks like when he plays against most every other team. And let's face it, Lewerke's been a three-year starter here. He's played a lot of football, but he's never been a guy that you look at and say uh, he's the biggest challenge we face today. But he has you know, gone against Penn State, as we talked about going up to this game, and led some uh, some key drives late in contest and, and come away with the win for them. So you know, they did a nice job keeping Lewerke off balance throughout the day, and, and he just Quite frankly, even when he had time, never looked comfortable. Whether you can chalk that up as a, as a temperature, a weather thing, or just the fact that you know, Penn State's defense gave him more than he can handle, or maybe he just was not sharp today. And, and you look at who was sharp. Sean Clifford fits that bill. Uh, you know, he came out in the first half, 12 of 17, uh, 150 plus yards, 120 plus yards through the air, three touchdowns, had 23 yards on the ground. That included uh, another one on, on third down where he ran for, for it on first. Uh, and I think that was a third and 11 situation when he picked up that yardage. And then a play in that first half that was really indicative of that aggressive nature that they had. Uh, Ricky Ronnie, the this, this staff saying go for it on fourth and one midfield. Uh, they, I think Sean Clifford after the game said that meant uh, you know, a lot to have that kind of confidence. And, and he said once they decided to go, he had no doubt they were going to get it. It was not an easy play. Journey Brown uh, you know, picked up one yard and they needed one yard. But I think up 13 nothing. how the conditions were. You could have easily you know, uh, said, Blake, go kick it try to pin Michigan State deep. Instead, they, they went on the attack mode, and they end up finishing off that drive and, and putting the points on the board. Uh, K.J. Hamler, wide open, about as open as he'll ever find K.J. Hamler. Mark Brennan took a, a, a screenshot of it, and there was just K.J. and a bunch of grass around him. Uh, so that gets you up 19 nothing, and then they follow it up and said, you know what, let's go for two. Let's not send Jake Pinnegar back out, out there. Let's make up for those two points. Uh, let's pick up for the point we lost already from the Pinnegar missed extra point. And, uh, and Sean Clifford takes it himself. So 21 nothing going for it on that fourth down, then having Sean, uh, run it in on the two point conversion. And the way that this team reacted, they, they, they ran off to the sideline, but they didn't do that before kind of turning their attention to Penn State crowd, you know, very demonstrably trying to get them on their feet and join them in celebration. And it just felt anyone who felt like Penn State was going to come into this game with some baggage, 
the new kids on the block are asserting themselves and and they're having fun doing it. Yeah, and it was uh, it was fun to watch. And by the way, if you were at that game and stayed throughout the whole thing, uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. That was that's insane because you you mentioned how bad it was there. You weren't sure how bad it looked on TV. It looked awful on TV. So uh, that was good. Penn State got their first two touchdowns to uh, to Pat Fryermuth from Sean Clifford. Not the prettiest pass Sean Clifford's ever thrown, but the first touchdown pass, he looped it right over a couple of Michigan State defenders is actually pretty fun. I mean, I, I, I likened it to, uh, you know, banking a three. You don't call bank and you just throw it up there and all of a sudden it goes in. Uh, it, it was it was a crazy one. And then the second one, Friar Muth, uh, really just, uh, it was a nice little RPO. They went, went to him over the middle. He I guess he threw a defender off of him pretty much. He just shrugged him and said, get off of me, and then went into the end zone. No review on this one, so that was good. Um, but... Uh, you got to like the way that they went to their stars in the first half. I mean, this is the game where you go on the road, and, and we talked in the preseason even about Sean Clifford me being the guy that needs to win you these games, and I think he he, he did that. He put them in position to do that, and I know I've been probably as critical as Clifford as, as anyone, but I think uh, you know he kind of brought it tonight, and we'll get to the second half in a little bit, but if, if you're playing like he was playing in the first half, in those conditions, like I said, he hit some throws that you know that, that weren't finished on the other end. Uh, KJ Hamler was down the field, a really pretty throw down the sideline, maybe just a little bit outside, but hey, Hamler's got to catch that. Just sent it there, uh, breaking loose of the coverage down the field. Uh, that could have been a touchdown or close to being a touchdown. I mean, but uh, I thought they were pretty pretty well thrown balls. So uh, really like what Sean Clifford did. You you. Um, excuse me, singled out the, the fourth and one. I'm going to single out the third and 11 that you, you, you referenced in passing. Penn State doing a little option rub play uh, you know, off to the right side. Clifford decides to take it, and they did that a couple of times in the first half and had a lot of success with it. You're kind of putting uh, a defender in no man's land. He, he decided to go with Pat Fryermuth. Fryermuth turned around and blocked. Clifford got to the edge somehow. I mean, you thought he was probably going to pick up seven. He ended up picking up 14, so... Uh, really, really gutsy play by Clifford, and and really that's what you want to see out of your leader. So I was impressed by his play. Uh, again, still, still some things that you know he could get better at with the run game and some you know his decisions and things like that. But you know what? I, I think it's a step forward. I think you got to be happy with the way that he played on the road. And you know we'll get in the second half, as I said, in, in a second. But uh, I mean, if he goes out and plays like that uh, in two weeks against Minnesota, who by the way is eight zero as well. Um, and they have a bye week this week, so you're going to have two undefeated teams in two weeks. If he goes out there and plays like that against Minnesota, I think they're in a really good spot. Yeah, his resume, all of a sudden, he's, he's got some, a couple night game wins on the road in the Big Ten. He's got uh, the whiteout win uh, against a ranked opponent back he's, home. He's and, and officially got, the governor of Michigan now, I believe, as well. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. he's got this sloppy road win in, 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 in Spartan Stadium. And you know, this is the fourth game out of his five Big Ten starts now where he has accounted for at least three touchdowns in the first half. Um, so th- I think that says a lot. And, and we said this is not a game it felt like he could afford to have that Iowa opener in, in terms of, you know, just looking out of sorts and then picking up the pieces later. It felt like a Michigan team coming in and it was ultimately proven right. You could tell by the body language that they came out and they were going to give it their best shot, but you weren't sure if they'd have a second shot. And, and it never really felt like Michigan State was prepared, which says something about the program, again, coming out of a bye week that they 
they really just did not have that, uh, you know, a second gear to turn to in this game. And they had to rely on some Penn State sloppiness later on to get their opportunities, really. Um, but going back, you mentioned Noah Kane early getting the start, the first start of his college career. He touched the ball uh, on every single play of the first uh, possession. It ended up being a three and out, but he touched it on every th- all three plays. He touched the ball on six of the first seven plays and seven of the first 11, including the second possession that led to a touchdown, the first of the game for Penn State. Um, but then he, he was gone, and I think people are probably watching this and saying, or following the box score maybe, and saying, oh, here we go again. Uh, but just to clarify, this is different with Noah Kane. It wasn't really a, a rotation dictating it. We don't know the details on this with Kane, but I can tell you he came off the field. He came in through the tunnel um, with Brandon Smith and Jesse Lucada on either side of him, using them to kind of brace him. Um, it, it, it's, it appeared he didn't want to put pressure on one of his legs, and I don't want to speculate too much on what it was. It may have been terrible cramping, maybe something more serious. But as we'll get to later on, uh, one of the takeaways from James Franklin's postgame press conference uh, was that all the injuries that they saw kind of accrued today, notably uh, Kane, John Reed uh, left and did not return. I don't believe Trent Gordon returned as well, so that's a couple cornerbacks that are dinged up. Um, he, he says he believes none of those are going to be something that lingers beyond the bye week that they're going to have to deal with coming out of the bye week at, at, in that game against Minnesota. We'll see where that is, but, but that was the reasoning behind Kane's absence the rest of the way. Obviously, uh, the coaching staff think, thinks very highly of him, and I think people were probably pleased to see Kane get his opportunities early. But, but you know, his absence then created more opportunities for the other three running backs. Um, and, and along the way, we saw each of those guys kind of have moments. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can, I think it's more about not, not so much the running backs on an individual level, but about the running game. And we'll get into the second half right now. I mean, you, you, you really went away from it and, 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 you know, you, you want to keep going and you want to keep going after it. And I think Penn State tried to do some things with the short passing game to make it their running game and, and really didn't have much success with it. I think a lot of it was conditions. A lot of it was, uh, a lot of it had to do with, uh, you know, just the way both sides were dropping passes like crazy. So um, I don't think you can get too much into why they still passing it, but really just getting away from the run over and over again. And I think that's a theme that we keep seeing. Penn State went up 21 nothing. eventually 28 nothing. Uh, of course, they, they jumped on a fumble, excuse me, a muff punt um, inside the five, went to Fryermuth again, made it 28 nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's kind of where you're at with this team is, is you keep seeing these big leads pile up and they, they look impressive doing it. And then all of a sudden, you know, takes a foot off the gas. And, and, and like I said, in my second look earlier this week, it's not about getting conservative. It's not about, uh, you know, just kind of taking some of the pressure off or anything like that. It's just a lack of execution. Um, and, and you saw that tonight with some drop passes. Now, I think that, you know, I, I didn't think that, uh, in that lull that they had against Michigan, I didn't think the play calling was all that bad. Uh, I'll have to take an- another look at this game, but I saw a step back in that regard. It just seemed a little bit different. Uh, in the first half, you attacked the conditions. In the first half, you attacked the defense. In the second half, you kind of stood by and let some things go. So still taking some shots, but I, I, I think you can really get that uh, that clock management mode going again. So uh, and interested to dive into this one because, you know, it just didn't have the same feel of these letdowns that we've seen, I think, against Purdue, against uh, Michigan last week. And, and, and we'll see what, what the tape says, but uh, I think you got to run the football. And, and I think that's that's an easy out. And that's an easy uh, sort of criticism. But I still think it reigns true just based off of the number of times that we saw Sean Clifford throw the ball in the second half. 
Yeah, and I think there's one specific uh, uh, possession I look to here that that's going to drive Penn State fans a little bit crazy. Um, it was 28 to seven, uh, about eight minutes to go, eight and a half minutes to go in the in the fourth quarter of this game. It's a three play, uh, three play, zero yard, 53 second possession for Penn State, uh, up 28 to seven in the rain. Uh, three consecutive passes, uh, a couple of them incomplete, and then a pass to KJ Hamler for no yards. Uh, so. Yeah, that, that's one where you maybe come out, run the ball. But uh, when you look at this program and, and, and where they're at, to get in the position to be up by that much and us critiquing their inability to maybe put it away the right way, it kind of says where they're at. Because, I mean, your prediction was, was a one-score game. Marks was a one-score game. Uh, Vegas had that one, this one under a touchdown. Um, and, and I think overall, to, to see this one go to 28 nothing, really never feel like Michigan State was going to put a scare into them. A lot of that was because offensively, they just didn't seem capable of doing that. They completed a you know one long pass for, for 40 plus yards and, and that put them in position to, to get their first touchdown of the game. But they were rotating quarterbacks at the end of this. I, I don't really know what that was about because they brought Lewerke back in and, and I wasn't in the Michigan State press conference where I'm sure they're having a very different conversation at this point about their uh, football team that they are covering right now. But you know in the Penn State game, post game, uh, James Franklin and these players, uh, they understand there's work to be done during the bye week. And I think, you know, it was worth pointing out that that one thing we kept hearing, I think it was kind of echoed. And it leads me to believe that maybe it's something that was hammered down a, a little bit in the post game was now it's time for them to take another step ahead. And we talked about coming out of the first bye week. They were three, and know, I don't know. They were ranked 12th or 13th. They had the whole big 10 schedule ahead. Now it's a different thing. They come out of this bye week and they are going to be coming out into the buzzsaw in terms of pressure and being part of that playoff conversation. And a lot of people are going to try to convince this team to turn its head toward that Ohio State matchup right away, uh, even though Minnesota's right there with an unbeaten record as well. Um, I will say, you know, it's a team that, that's going to have some critiquing to do. They're going to have some stuff where they need to do uh, finish games mentally better and, and in terms of how they handle themselves uh, from a sportsmanship conduct. Uh, and But I think in terms of the offense, you're going to certainly see uh, you know, Sean Clifford, you know, he said he wants to watch each game that they've played so far at least twice, maybe three times. That's a lot of film to watch. You know, you know what it's like to go through film of some of these games, especially some of these uh, lulls, as you said. And, uh, you know, Clifford, uh, Clifford is put, wanting to put the work in. But it's a game where, uh, you know, you certainly would have liked to have Noah Kane to hand the ball to and maybe churn that out down the down the stretch. Uh, but, you know, I think maybe Journey Brown himself, you know, ha had some nice moments on the ground. And Devin Ford had a nice run. But, yeah, I, I think it goes to kind of, you know, the things we're critiquing now. This is exactly what you want to be critiquing if, you, if, if you're following Penn State football. It's not, you know, why did they get off to such a rough start? How did they get themselves in a hole? As much as we've seen this team sputter at times, Sean, we have not seen them dig themselves in situations that they would that they wouldn't be able to come out of. And I got to do the do the math and crunch the numbers here, but I, I they really have not trailed in any of these games uh, for a substantial period of time. It feels like, and and obviously that's the tip of the cap to where this team is right now. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that goes to that defense once again. Uh, the opposition not quite up to par today, but Penn State's defense really controlled the line of scrimmage. Micah Parsons with twelve tackles. Uh, another game in the double digits. Cam Brown, Jan Johnson, uh, Lamont Wade's played pretty good ball lately. So uh, I just think overall um, a really good defensive effort. I don't know that any any one thing really sticks out or stands out. They did force four turnovers. Uh, a couple of the, those were uh, 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 excuse me, a couple of those were picks. Uh, Marquise Wilson, the freshman, got his pick. Jaquan Brisker got one late. Um, so you know you like to see any takeaways that you can get. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I really, I mean, it's another game where you're just, you're just kind of taking this defense for granted. I mean, they're, they're so good. Um, they do so many things and, and when they go up against a team that, you know, maybe is one dimensional or you know, zero dimensional as, uh, as Michigan state kind of was on Saturday, um, they're going to, they're going to really bust some heads. So really impressed with this defense. I mean, it, 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 you were right. I mean, you were up 21 to nothing at halftime, really no feeling of this game even being a game at that point. So um, I think that that all goes back to that defense. Another uh, couple of splash plays, you called it the other day. And, and like you said on Twitter, you default to this. Jason Alway with two sacks. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, waiting for it all the time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, hey, if you say it enough, I mean, it's going to come true. We talked about Justin Shorter, and Shorter got uh, targeted on back-to-back passes in the first quarter. We weren't sure what to he do. Did. Had to make sure that wasn't Cam Brown out there running around. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Jason Alway with two sacks, forced fumbles on both of them. And I tell you what, when he's just a pass rusher and, and, and we can – talk about the the situational things and and I know that's something that's been brought up with Shaka Tony over the years and and that's kind of gone away with the way that he's played this year but uh, when you put Jason Alway out there as a, as just a pass rusher and he can go after the quarterback he doesn't have to worry about his run responsibilities man it's that's so tough to stop yeah he seemed to really be feeling some relief after this game I I don't remember getting him at any time post game aside from this one um, I may be wrong but we did get him in the post game conversation and um, you know, he, he just felt like he put in a lot of work this offseason. He knows that, that the buzz is around him and he felt like he was ready to deliver on it. And he's seen a lot of play, uh, but he felt like it, it was important for him to make that show up in the stat sheet. And he did it. He did it with those two forced fumbles uh, coming via sack and, 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 one, and, and, reco- and one was recovered. And, and I think with Jason, um, you know, this is one of those things where he can to come at the time with the bye week, he says this is going to be something that he feels pushes him further ahead. And we saw Deza Isaac out there. He looked like he he was a little, uh, you know, like we've seen Jason kind of, kind of uh, at times, uh, not necessarily a guy who's going to be handled the whole scope of the position, but you, you see him flash in the way he can recover. And, and Isaac did that a few times. And I think Jason's doing that. Um, but again, when you look at this defense, Sean, um, they gave up 2.7 yards on average per rush uh, on 31 rush attempts. This is a team that's going to want to try to run the football. Um, they forced those turnovers. They they got after the quarterback a bit. Uh, it wasn't a sack, a sack party or anything like that. But um, you know they continue to be uh, like you said. It, it almost just feels like yeah. So what? That's what they do. Um, whereas you know last year it was often you know ooh the defense uh, can they close games? Are they going to be able? To, you know there's none of that here. And they, they've been in a position where they have been able to provide this defense with a lead to protect. And, and oftentimes it's 14, 21 points in these games, which is how you want to play football at, the, at a high level. Um, but again, the Michigan game so far, they've played eight games. It's the only game they've given up more than one touchdown. And you're going to win a lot of football if you can do that with, with getting at least average offense. This is an above average offense at times bordering on, on, on a very, very explosive offense. Um, you know, and if you can get it consistently and, and kind of match those things up, that's the kind of thing you'll need in, in a playoff atmosphere, in a Big Ten championship atmosphere, one of those kind of complete games. But right now they continue to work their way through it and they continue to show the depth. I think the depth is one thing that we shouldn't go over because mentioning John Reed exiting the game, Trent Gordon exiting the game, uh, you, you had to rely upon some of these different cornerbacks. Uh, we saw DJ, DJ Brown got some time, but Marquise Wilson was out there, you know, flashing exactly why they decided to burn his red shirt, looking confident out there, almost came up with a second interception. Um, you had Jaquan Brisker, who, who you know, opening open field tackling seems to be a bit of a, a bugaboo for him still, something that, that's 
he's still rounding out, but you know, he was able to make another big play out there and, and come up with an interception. So, um, you know, it, 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 we saw Brandon Smith, we saw Jesse Lucchetto, we saw Ellis Brooks make a play and, and just continue, Judge Culpepper out there. And I just think that attrition in a game like this, a lot of people said in the press box, plenty of people who have covered this team a lot longer than me, Sean, saying this is a game that there's, you just feel like Penn State, uh, if they couldn't go to the well right now, how they can defensively with depth, this is one of those games where maybe he's hanging in the balance in the final uh, you know, stretch of the game, and it's a sloppy game, and maybe it's a 13-10 kind of game. But Penn State, we see it across the board at different positions. Their ability to recruit and develop of late is showing up on the football field, and it's part of that reason why they, they, they do seem a bit accelerated on the timeline that many had for, for this team's trajectory. I think a great example of that in the fourth quarter, and you're playing Michigan State, a team that's beat you in the last two years, a team that went to the playoff a couple of years ago. You're playing Hakeem Beeman in the fourth. You're playing Brenton Strange. These are these are guys that you're just playing around to get a couple uh, uh, snaps in because they're going to keep. I mean, they're going to keep the red shirts on them. But still, I mean, you're you're playing these guys on the road against Michigan State. That says a whole lot about where your program is as a whole. So uh, impressed with that aspect of it. Uh, go back to, uh, you mentioned him in passing, but Marquise Wilson, you said he could have had the second pick. That first pick was tremendous. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, honestly, everybody thought it was just an incompletion. He didn't move. It looked I mean, like it was. We thought it was incomplete up top, yeah. He, put, he, he picked the ball right up off the turf and kept his arms under it, stood up like he just knocked down a pass and just went with it. So it was a little different uh, in the fourth quarter with Jaquan Brisker doing it. And that, that's something that James Franklin addressed after the game. Antonio Shelton as well ejected for unsportsmanlike conduct. The replay showed him spitting on a Michigan State player. Um, he's since gone to Twitter to apologize for that. But James Franklin, not too happy about that in the post game, and probably rightfully so. Yeah, he, yeah, he said uh, he understands that everyone uh, around the Penn State program, externally, internally, um, don't want the program represented that way. It sounds like they had a pretty emotional conversation in the locker room after the game. I can tell you we heard them. Um, it sounded like all good by the time we got down into that area, like they were they were full on celebrating. Uh, but it was an emotional time, apparently, according to, to Franklin and some of those players. I think it was it was probably about, hey, the program is here, but if you want to get it to here, take that next step, go from eight and zero to twelve and zero. You got to cut the, the shit. You got to cut it out and some of that stuff. And I and I think you know th- that's a couple games now where toward the end of this we've seen some you know some unnecessary penalties and uh, you know th- there is an element now for a team that is enjoying all these successes for the first time. You got to get in that mindset of act like you've been there before. And also, when you're beating a team down like this, and a, te- and a team is not in a good place, you know they're going to be doing things to you all game and saying things to you all game that that maybe it doesn't get picked up on, on camera that we don't see in the press box. But your response, if you take it to another level, you know they could have done 99 things to get you to that point. But the hundredth thing in that back and forth, if it's if it's a spit like that, you're going to be the guy that gets you know the finger pointed at you and and, and kind of look like the look like the jerk in the situation. So kudos to Shelton. I will tell you this: uh, you you've seen it before. We've had Shelton this week actually uh, for an interview. I mean, if you gave me one guy to, on this entire roster to pick and have a sit down with and, and and have an honest conversation about where the team's at, it would it would very may well be Antonio Shelton. He absolutely enjoyed talking to him. Uh, overall, he's been a very good representative for this program, and, and he quickly put that apology up. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, again, that's something that Franklin's going to find a way to, to sink his teeth into in terms of, you know, this is some, something that's tangible that we need to, to, to wipe off. We need to get rid of that. We can't have unnecessary penalties because, 
you do that you know, in tight games and, and you get in the habit of thinking it's okay to, to respond in those kind of ways, it's going to bite you when it matters. It's going to set you up for, for a bad situation when you're not up 28-7 to against a team that is not equipped to come back on you. But really quickly, Sean, going back to something that was a, a very much a positive for this game, Pat Fryermuth and coming out with the three touchdowns, uh, remarkable when I, that, that, that he has already done this, but he has tied Mike Gesicki on the all-time tight ends list for touchdowns in a career in a Penn State uniform. He is in game number 21. Mike Kosicki was a factor in some way, shape, or form, obviously much much more often later in his career, but for four seasons he played for Penn State football, caught 15 touchdowns, became a second-round pick, making NFL money now. Pat Fryermuth has played in 21 games. He's already matched that. I, I just thought that was really an astounding number. It's fascinating, really. I mean, when you think about uh, all the great tight ends that have played at Penn State, and and, and I know it's a different game now, and, and Fryermuth came in right away ready to go. But, man, that's when you put that in context with, with Mike Gesicki and the way that he finished his career, to say that uh, Pat Fryermuth started his career – Hi, Nate. And uh, yeah, to see that Pat Frymuth started his career like that is just, uh, it, it's kind of insane. And, and it says a lot of, of the tight end development that they've done under Tyler Bowen. I think it's been fantastic. Nick Bowers was the number two receiver for Penn State, or excuse me, number three receiver behind uh, Frymuth and, and KJ Hamler this evening. Uh, he was he was very good because we, we saw a stretch without Pat Frymuth for a while. It looked like he got banged up on one of his uh, on one of his throws, but he did come end up coming back into the game. Speaking of that, uh, we joke all the time. Every time there's a bye week, uh, somebody's going to say it's a great time for the bye week. This is a pretty good time for the bye week for Penn State. Uh, you mentioned the injuries: uh, Noah Kane, John Reed, Trent Gordon, probably a couple other uh, bumps and bruises in there. But uh, to set themselves up for where they need to be as they go eight and zero into the bye week, I mean, this is a good time to give some of those veterans off. And you know, you don't get two bye weeks very often. Uh, you don't get it all set up like this. We see Michigan State was off last week, and they're off next week, so that's going to be a long three weeks. But uh, it's uh yeah it's a, it's a pretty good spot for Penn State to be in to go on that stretch especially going on the road against the Minnesota team that won again today that's that is very confident right now um, they're, they're sort of in control of their own destiny in the in the Big Ten West so that's uh, going to be an inch, more interesting one than we thought in Minneapolis than we drew up before the before the, before the season no doubt about it and, and in terms of Minnesota football it's going to be you know a major major event for them and and it's We'll see how they approach it. If, if they kind of approach it like it's their Super Bowl, like like, you know, like we've seen some teams do to prepare for Penn State versus they try to take that 1-0 mentality. And I think coming off of a bye week with Ohio State still ahead, they're going to continue to adopt that. But this bye week does come at the right time. I'd have to imagine there's some emotional fatigue, definitely some physical fatigue. They've played five Big Ten games since that first bye week. And uh, it's a program that has gone through, as James Franklin said, and, and he was pretty candid this week about Michigan State being uh, maybe a little bit more important than, than the average 1-0. Um, he said after this game that uh, there were 700,000 alumni, there was all of us in, in, in the reporting industry and, 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 and all the people in the building really at Penn State they knew that this three-game stretch was going to be a, a way for a lot of folks to put Penn State, the program, where it's at, under the microscope and evaluate it. And they went one, two, three, in all a different variety of ways, coming away with three wins in each instance. And now here they sit at eight. No, I think it was you know a taxing three games, and it was exhaustive in a lot of different ways. But you know they come out the other end of the situation. 
uh, you know, seeing what they can uh, handle, and, and they and they've experienced now a rain game in Spartan Stadium. They've experienced a road game at night in Kinnick Stadium, a whiteout game against Michigan. And, and last I checked, Michigan was taking it to Notre Dame on the scoreboard, uh, a top ten Notre Dame team. So right now you, you come away, and I think the biggest thing was talking to Sean Clifford, uh, Jason Oway, Pat Frymuth after this game. I said. What have you? What do you know about this team going into bye week number two compared to what you knew going into bye week number one? And and it's night and day. I think they have really they've surprised themselves in some ways. They're not going to tell us they didn't expect to be here. James Franklin's not going to tell us that in any way at all. Uh, but you know, it it is something impressive considering how few tests so many important pieces of this team have actually faced. They just faced uh, you know that three game that we've been talking about since. We even shifted focus to 2019, and 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 they just went through it with, without taking a loss. And and there's, I mean, that's just that's really impressive stuff. Yeah, that's the that's the stretch that everyone was going to judge their season by, and they've passed it with flying colors. And now you've got an opportunity to, to you know sort of move the uh, move the goalposts and judge their season by the uh, uh, Minnesota and well, I mean, you, you throw Indiana in there. Indiana had a good win at, at Nebraska today, but of course that Ohio State game looms large, and that's where everybody's going to be looking. There's, but, an, there's another game. There's four games left. What's there's another game left? Yeah. Okay, um, but <laughs> if you give if if you give them a chance to 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 prove themselves at Ohio, you know, say you get by Minnesota and Indiana, I mean, just a, a phenomenal coaching job, a phenomenal job by by guys like Clifford who just stepped into roles and, and are going through it. But uh, that's that's putting the cart before the horse. Uh, really quickly to circle back around, um, I know you got to get out of here before the Spartan security uh, tells <laughs> yeah. you to get, to get the hell out. Um, 46 yards in the third quarter over the last two weeks. That's not going to get it done. Penn State has really struggled, um, you know, just to, to move the football at all, whether it be passing, running, anything like that. And that's something that when you go into the bye week, and we saw it coming out of the Pittsburgh game, some of the adjustments that they made for Maryland, uh, that, that is going to be one thing that they have to do because this, uh, this Minnesota atmosphere is going to be uh, amped up. It's going to be something different than you expect when you go into uh, uh, TSC Bank Stadium. Um, so, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be something that they have to look at uh, in, the, uh, in, in the bye week. It, it's breaking down tendencies. It's going to, uh, you know, it, it, it's execution. It's things like that. And I think that's really where you have to address it uh, going into the bye week. Um, it, it, it's not the end of the world because if you're up 28 nothing on, on somebody else, you, you, you should be able to beat them and close them out before they run out of time, especially in the Big Ten where the offenses are what they are because I think there's, what, seven pretty bad teams in the Big Ten. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this has got to be uh, a point of focus in the, in the off week. Um, yeah, I don't think that, uh, uh, I don't think it's a poorly, you know, called overall game by any stretch, but there's stretches where Penn state just goes through these lapses and, and, and really you can't have that, especially, you know, we're all going to come back to Ohio state. We're all going to talk about the Ohio state game. So you can't have that against the Buckeyes. And if you can't have that against the Buckeyes, you, you, you don't want to have it anywhere else in the schedule. I'll, I'll leave it with this pretty much. James Franklin was asked after this game. Uh, about his great to elite comment last September after the loss to Ohio State. Uh, I think everyone who listens remembers that moment well. Um, and, and him saying that he felt like the team was too comfortable. Uh, and then he was said, how do you feel now coming off of this three-game stretch, being 8-0? His answer, we're 1-0 this week, and I'm uncomfortable all the time except for about three hours on the weekend that I can spend with, spend with the family and, and check out for a little bit. Uh, I think this team is on a mission now, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they collectively huddle up during this bye week and then break out of it because 
I think they realize everything's there at their grasp, and, they, and they've walked across the coals a little bit. They've taken their lumps figuratively, literally, uh, emotionally as a team over these last few weeks with, with being in a national spotlight for on-the-field reasons and off-the-field reasons. And they get a chance here to, you know, to, to circle the wagons a bit, get healthy, uh, reevaluate themselves, and you know, I'm very curious to see what we get coming out of Minnesota. But uh, that's really all I can speak on it here. Michigan State just coming away from the game and um, got got to go back and and, and uh, get back to State College and, and get a chance to, to dig deeper into this and dig dig deeper into some of the comments uh, and quotes uh, that that we got and collected from this post game conversations. And we'll bring you all that content. But Sean, it is a bye week, so I'm assuming we're going to come back with one episode. We'll try to make it. A pretty big episode, maybe get a guest on or something like that this week. Uh, but heading into the bye week, uh, I think it's fair to say you and I, we spend more time than people probably realize uh, covering this team and, 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 and trying to be up on it. I, I, you know, I, I picked them to be 10 and 2 this year, and I thought maybe I was being overly optimistic. Uh, I, I know looking at other people's predictions, it felt like it. Now, 10 and 2, where they stand now, I think a lot of people will be disappointed with that result considering they are 8 0. And, Tell you what, this team goes into the bye week. They have a lot to be proud of. We, we talk about the, the, the critiques and we apply them ourselves. And, and, and we're some of that outside noise that they got to tune out on a game to game, week to week, day to day basis. But uh, this is a young team with a lot of kids who not too long ago were, were the top recruits we were talking to and, and talking about what they could do for Penn State. Here you see it. Uh, this team is 8 0. They're going to be a top five team in the country going into November. And Penn State football fans out there, buckle up. Enjoy this ride. You don't know when it could end. You don't know how it could end. But right now, you know you've got it in front of you. And, and, and you get some really impressive, competitive November football to look forward to. There are a lot of programs, including the one that resides right here in this building that I'm talking to you from, uh, that is pretty much already turning its attention towards 2020 and, and trying to figure out how to survive the rest of this thing. So you know, Penn State's in, in an enviable position. College football is a crazy place. Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. I just watched on my phone. Uh, Texas Tech blocked a Kansas uh, field game-winning field goal. They picked it up. They went to lateral it, and they turned it back over to Kansas, who recovered it and kicked the game-winning field goal. So that's how crazy college football is right now. Penn State, uh, we harped on it all last week in the post-game podcast. Penn State's 8-0. That's not easy to do. They haven't done it since 2008. They've only done it four times since they joined the Big Ten. Uh, that's not easy to do. And when that comes down to it, I mean, that's going to be very, very, uh, it, it's just a very solid base to stand on when you get into November because Wisconsin played its way out of, uh, you know, a, a, you know, essentially played its way out of a, a playoff spot in the last two weeks. You're not sure what's going on at some other places. Notre Dame's about to go down. So, I mean, it's just uh, so many crazy things can happen. The longer you keep that zero in there, I mean, it's just going to, hey, you don't lose. Good things will happen. So, Sean, they, they um, kept that zero in the loss column one time out of those four that you mentioned. Well, we'll find out. There's three other times they've started out 8-0 since they joined the Big Ten in 93. 1994, they completed it going 12-0. They didn't get their shot at the national championship. I know that's something that rubs people the wrong way all across the Nittany Lions Nation, and for good reason. You go 12-0 this year, you will get your chance to, to make a case. You'll go to Indianapolis. We'll see if they can get there. But this is starting to get into rarefied territory for a team that many were saying, let's see how they do this year. 2020 is going to be the year. This, this is the year right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, I mean, you, you don't want to look too far ahead, but, you know, 11 and one gives you a shot as well. I mean, you, you obviously you've got teams that are going to end up out of their conference uh, championship game, especially in the SEC that uh, no offense to uh, Penn State, Minnesota, but there's another ball game uh, down south in two weeks where people are going to be paying attention to a couple of unbeatens. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, any, any way that you can keep your resume as spotless as possible. You, it's going to give you a shot. You know, Penn State narrowly missed the playoff in uh, in 2016 as a 10 and two team. So, um, you know, you crazy things happen. You just got to control what you can control. And so far, Penn State has done a phenomenal job of doing that. They need to continue taking uh, steps in the spots that you think that they need to take steps. And that's closing out games. That's playing up the momentum. That's just, uh, you know, going on these things, uh, going on these runs and keeping up these runs. And you're not going to have the expectation of scoring on every drive. But, uh, you know, if you can keep yourself going, keep yourself rolling, uh, you can get your quarterback to continue like he played in the first half tonight. I mean, you've got an opportunity to do whatever you can do. I mean, the sky's the limit. Never, any, anybody can be beaten on any given day. So uh, anxious to see what's going to happen in the next four weeks, and that's all going to start out after the bye week. Like you mentioned, uh, we're just going to drop one episode next week. Uh, I know you're going away for the weekend, uh, but uh, my wife's going away for the weekend, so I've got the kids, so I'm not recording for you guys. No offense, but that's uh, not something that I'm going to be able to handle. So uh, it's uh, it, it's going to be fun to sit back. You're not going to lose next week. Uh, you're not going to win, but you're not going to hurt yourself. So we'll see what happens uh, in the off week. And like I said, it's coming at a good time for Penn State. Well, that's going to do it for now. Uh, from East Lansing, I'm Tyler Donahue. That, of course, is Sean Fitz. We'll come uh, back with you at the bye week. We'll be rested, recharged, and back with a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. For now, wrapping things up, Penn State 28, Michigan State 7. They exercise some demons. They go to 8-0. We'll see what happens next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.